Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the April 2021 quiz. We have 10 terrific cases for you, and although we are posting this on April 1st, this is not an April Fool's joke. There are 10 great cases, and we're going to tell you the correct answer. So let's get started. In this first case, when you look at the images, what do you see? Arterial and venous phase imaging, and you see tumor infiltrating the hilum of the liver, causing duct dilatation. So you know it's a malignancy. I don't think that's much of an issue, but the question is what's going on? Well, it could be a cholangiocarcinoma because cholangiocarcinomas can be bulky, infiltrative tumors, and they do commonly cause duct dilatation, and that's as opposed to hepatoma, which can be a large mass like this, but again, we would typically expect it to be more vascular in about 85% of cases, but also you really don't see duct dilatation. It is possible that this could be lymphoma. Lymphoma is one of those things that can infiltrate the hilum of the liver and cause duct dilatation. Carcinoids tumors can involve the hilum, but usually the vascular. You get some sort of uh, abnormal vascularity, and usually you'll see a tumor away from the liver as well. So really in this case, the best diagnosis is somewhere between lymphoma and cholangiocarcinoma. The least likely diagnosis would be a carcinoid tumor. I still would consider hepatoma. Occasionally it does cause duct dilatation, but the least likely diagnosis is going to be C, carcinoid tumor. And that indeed is the case in this example. The most likely diagnosis in this case is which of the following? Well, let's analyze the images. First of all, I see an infiltrating tumor, which extends to the diaphragm, appears to involve the spleen, but is really mainly involving the patient's left kidney. So you can say, well, maybe that's a renal cell carcinoma. With renal cell, you can get extensive tumor infiltration. It can involve the renal vein, the IVC, can extend around the kidney, but this is somewhat homogeneous. 85% of tumors of the kidney are clear cell, they're hypervascular. This would be a most unusual papillary. Transitional cell carcinomas are carcinomas of the calyces or the renal pelvis, so that's not going to be the case. An adult Wilms tumor is just so rare, I'm not going to think about that. On the other hand, lymphoma can be anywhere from multiple masses to solitary masses to perirenal involvement, to pararenal space involvement. Things that involve the kidney but that have large bulk that's homogeneous and infiltrating with displacement, I'm always thinking of lymphoma. And to me, the most likely diagnosis in this case is renal lymphoma. The most likely diagnosis in this case, well, what do you have? The first thing you have is a large anterior metastinal mass. Well, that could be lymphoma. It could be metastasis from, let's say, renal cell. It could be a thymoma. It could be some sort of sarcoma. Those are all good possibilities. But then I look in the abdomen. I see a nodule in the abdominal wall. I also see an infiltrating process in the patient's right kidney. Now, it is true you can get METs to the kidney from small cell renal cell carcinoma, but it's not the best uh, appearance. Usually, it's hyalur more than anterior metastinum, and the kidney would be more like a discrete mass. This looks more infiltrative, so I don't like that. Renal cell carcinoma metastatic to metastinum is a thought, but this appears to be more infiltrating. I don't like that either, and thymoma might be good for the mass itself, but thymoma 
gets pleural implants and not the kidney. So to me, the best case scenario in this example is I'm dealing with lymphoma, maybe a B-cell lymphoma, which involves both the mediastinum and extends down and also involves the patient's kidney. And this indeed was lymphoma. In this patient with an acute right upper quadrant pain, what's the best diagnosis? Well, obviously right upper quadrant pain gives you many possible diagnoses, but here, what am I looking at? I'm looking at a liver that appears to be infiltrated by tumor. This is not going to be hepatitis, okay? Now, you could say lymphoma, but lymphoma it can be infiltrating, can see duct dilatation, can be solitary in multiple masses. I don't really like this for lymphoma. I also see a lot of ascites, which I typically don't see with lymphoma. Also, as I look carefully in this case, the patient's extensive liver mets could be the cause of the patient's pain. But if you look inferior to the liver, you see a hematoma inferior to the liver. So now we're dealing with a bleed. Now, hepatic adenomas can bleed, but this is just way too many lesions for hepatic adenoma. To me, the most likely cause is going to be a hepatoma. Hepatomas can bleed. Uh, hepatic adenomas can bleed. But again, hepatic adenomas that bleed usually are solitary masses. The truth is hepatic adenomas can develop into hepatomas over time. So you could consider maybe that's the story. But to me, the best answer is hepatoma with spontaneous bleeding. And that indeed is the correct answer in this patient. The most likely diagnosis in this case is, well, what are we looking at? I'm looking at an infiltrating tumor in the antrum of the stomach. There's prominent mucosal enhancement and wall thickening. I also see ascites. I also see nodularity on the omentum consistent with carcinomatosis. So what can you think about? Well, a gastric tumor, it could be lymphoma, but lymphoma typically doesn't have ascites and rarely, if ever, has carcinomatosis. Breast cancer is a thought if the patient did have breast cancer. Metastatic breast cancer can present with an infiltrating tumor in the stomach and can have carcinomatosis. So I guess that's theoretically possible. Pseudomyxoma peritonei, where you see multiple lesions, uh, can implant on the stomach, can implant on the liver, spleen, you have scalloping. This is not really the appearance of pseudomyxoma peritonei. So to me, the question is B versus C. And since I don't know that the patient has breast cancer, and breast cancer usually gives more of a linitis plastic appearance, I'm going to go with a gastric cancer with carcinomatosis. And that indeed is the correct answer. The most likely diagnosis in this case is, well, what am I dealing with? I'm dealing with a huge mass with central calcification and what looks like a Swiss cheese type appearance to most of the mass. Now, I'm making it easier for you because I gave you four choices. All of these are pancreatic masses. Now, of course, sometimes it's hard to tell if something's coming from the pancreas or from an organ like the stomach or the adrenal, but in this case, we know it's pancreas. So what can I say quickly? It's not a lymphoepithelial cyst. Those are water density homogeneous and smaller. Spend tumors can have calcification, but usually it's a younger female and the calcifications are periphery. Uh, and the cystic appearance of this lesion, I don't like it. Mucinous cystic neoplasms are typically cystic lesions, body of pancreas. If they calcify, it's at the rim, but they're usually under five centimeters and body of the pancreas. I guess this is the body, but again, the, that cystic appearance and the Swiss cheese appearance, 
That's really cirrhosis adenomas. Cirrhosis adenomas and cirrhosis adenocarcinomas are really very, very good uh, possibilities. Cirrhosis adenoma typically will uh, give very nice stellate calcifications centrally in the lesion, and that indeed is the case here. Cirrhosis adenomas are benign lesions, but they can be causing mass effect, and so once they're over 5 cm, surgeons will typically resect them. The most likely diagnosis in this case is, well, if we look carefully, you see a mass in the mesentery. The mass is calcified. It has a desmoplastic reaction. Well, what could you be dealing with? Well, sclerosing mesenteritis is a possibility, but you usually don't have a desmoplastic reaction. You see calcification, and you can see a mass. Crohn's disease, nah. Crohn's disease, the nodes don't calcify if you were considering these nodes. You get a comb sign, but you don't get this sclerosing mesenteritis, carcinoid-type appearance. But again, the um, changes in the vessels, that uh, desmoplastic reaction is more point-to-meter carcinoid tumors. Lymphomas can give you mesenteric masses, but unless the patient's been radiated or even had chemotherapy and radiation, it's not going to calcify. So to me, the best diagnosis in this case is a carcinoid tumor, just a classic appearance. In this case, I ask you for the least likely diagnosis. So what are we dealing with? We're dealing with a mass in the left periodic region. Now, this could be a big nodal mass. So lymphoma will be a good thought right away. It could be a neurogenic tumor. They often are kind of of different densities. Often we talk about low attenuation, but they don't need to be. But this is sort of lower attenuation. Schwannomas can also be masses in the periodic region, which can be lower attenuation. Liposarcoma is a thought. Now, liposarcomas do not necessarily have fat, and they're the most common retroperitoneal tumor, but this is so well-defined. There's no displacement of structures. There's no fat present. I'm going to say the least likely diagnosis is going to be a liposarcoma, and that indeed uh, is the correct answer. Oh, and if you want to know what this actually was, it was a schwannoma. In this Felbrow patient, the most likely diagnosis is, well, what do we see? We see decreased attenuation in the upper pole of the left kidney, shown nicely on the axial view and nicely on the coronal view. It, there's no mass effect per se in the sense that this is a tumor. We talk about lymphoma being infiltrating, but again, uh, you would see more mass effect and you would see some of the additional loss. This is low attenuation, I'm thinking about pyelonephritis. Now, I always sometimes am a little bit challenged by pyelo versus infarct. Now, you could think of an infarct here. The thing about infarcts that makes it bad, we talk about global infarct versus focal infarcts. Focal infarcts, which this kind of fits into a bit more, though it's pretty large if this was an infarct, tend to be very sharply demarcated and wedge-shaped. This is more diffusely infiltrating. And to me, in a febrile patient, this is classic for uh, acute polynephritis and typically due to E. coli infection, which indeed was the case in this patient. In this patient, the question is, incidental adrenal mass, what's the most likely diagnosis? Now, of course, if I didn't look at the images, most likely diagnosis of an adrenal lesion that's incidental is an adenoma. 
but we know anywhere from myelolipomas to pheochromocytomas to even primary adrenal carcinomas can be incidental findings. So now let me open my eyes and look at the image. I see a mass in the left adrenal and contains high areas of fat. It also contains punctate calcifications. Has a little bit of mass effect. It's not a primary adrenal carcinoma. Yes, adrenal carcinomas occasionally can have fat, but then it's the strophic calcification in fat. It's irregular, it would be more enhancing. Lymphoma does not have fat. It maintains an adrenal shape. It's solid, homogeneous. And pheochromocytomas, theoretically, I once heard of a case that had some fat, but they're typically hypervascular lesions. This is the classic CT leave-alone lesion of an adrenal myelolipoma. Just a great example. Well, that was 10 absolutely terrific cases. There were no April Fool's jokes there, and I hope you got them all right. But most importantly, I hope you learned something from the cases. And with that, see you next month. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctsus.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.